0: I'm not exactly sure uh, what it is about this episode in particular, but I um I could not get over the fact that the aliens looked human in this episode for some reason. It like it it makes no sense with the context of Star Trek and everything like that. Like why I would all of a sudden five hundred episodes into the series be like, why do these <laughs> people look human? But something about the design of them just really struck me as weird. I, I don't know if you if you felt the same way, Clay, or not. But uh, it it really like. It really was a strange thing that I noticed and thought was odd, which doesn't make any sense considering the context.
1: Uh, it, no, it didn't bother me. I, I it, may, it might have been a little lazy. It is definitely a uh, humans with a couple bumps on their head design. Um, but I just assumed it was for uh, empathy purposes. Yeah, uh, you know, coming to find an M class planet. Have they ever mentioned? I know they do in previous episodes of Enterprise, but do they ever in the other shows explain what M is? No, this Enterprise, is the first time Enterprise described as Minshara class. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, is there history? I'm sure there is history to that, but I, I do you happen to know what it is? It's a Vulcan briefly? word. It's just a Vulcan oh, made okay. Vulcan made up word. Yeah, um, but yeah, I, I just assumed it was uh <clears throat> for empathy purposes of oh they're just like us, but they're you know. They don't have cars yet. Yeah, they wear robes. They wear capes. <laughs> yeah, they all, they all dress like they're in Shakespeare's <laughs> Summerstock.
0: Uh, yeah, we're going to uh, take a break. We'll play a quote from the episode, which is civilization, and then we will come back and break it down.
1: Anything else? There is one other thing might be worth swinging by to take a look. A Minshara-class planet, about four and a half light years away. Any life signs? Only about 500 million. If our scans are right, it looks like there's a whole civilization down there.
0: (laughs) You might have put that on the top of the list. All right, so this is Civilization. It's the ninth episode of the first season of Star Trek Enterprise. It aired on November 14th, 2001. Written by Phyllis Strong and Mike Sussman. Directed by Mike Vehar. The in-universe date, which I remember them saying in the episode is July 31st, 2151. In this episode, Enterprise finds a fully inhabited Earth-like planet where some of the inhabitants are suffering from a mysterious disease. Um, In contrast to uh, last week's episode, or the last episode that we saw, which was the Breaking the Ice episode, which we Mm -hmm. both kind of liked and thought was unique, um, this one is not it. And I think that like, (laughs) maybe the most interesting thing about this episode is that it's a show and an episode that has like continues to send me down this process of honing what I would expect from a modern Star Trek episode. I think like mm-hmm. if if they if this Strange New Worlds show that they're going to come out is like the Pike and Spock and number 1 show and they're they're claiming at this point that it's going to be episodic and stuff like that. Um I wonder if you can really do that anymore with Star Trek and not just make it feel like it's a retread of what the storytelling was. So my, my problem here is that this episode is so redundant of what a Star Trek episode is that mm-hmm. I don't see the point of why you would make episodes like this anymore in this franchise. You know yeah, what I mean? It's a pretty, yeah,
1: it's pretty... Yeah, it's another prime directive episode without actually saying prime directive. Um, yeah, it, it's... Uh, Out of like the
0: 900 episodes of Star Trek, 547 have been this episode, you know, so it's like, (laughs) it's, I just don't, if you're going to like modernize the series, I just don't think that, I think they've beaten this horse to death, basically, like this storyline no longer really interests me or not this storyline, but this like, like the simplicity of this setup Mm -hmm. where I don't even think that this episode really takes the old they're clearly doing an homage to a TOS-style episode, but I don't think that they're even tweaking it enough to make it interesting for this series, really. It's mm. not like there's anything... This is pretty stock. Like, this is a very standard Star Trek show, and if and it's it fits in line with this, this series hasn't been bad to this point, I think this episode is incredibly average, but mm-hmm. I don't know if average is really all that exciting for me.
1: Yeah, it's, um, it's another one where I, I wish they had... Uh, explored the how and why that you get to certain Star Trek tropes as opposed to just doing them full stop. Like, it, it, I I feel like these they have the they had the opportunity to take these some of these uh, standard plot lines and and go okay, well that's how it usually goes, but either a how did we get there, or what if this, what if X happens? Like that in Discovery, one of I the second season of Discovery, I think one of the episodes that we liked pretty uh pretty well i don't know if, we liked a lot i guess um <laughs> it was well I, I, enjoyed by all it was us. well enjoyed by all uh was the one where they go to um the planet with the people who were saved from the world war and uh it it's a it's a prime directive first contact story with a twist because they are actually people from earth so does that count as prime you know yeah that they there's a spin on it um, but you you can't do that because the Prime Directive doesn't exist yet, right? Um, but what I mean, I and this is really dark, but I was thinking like I wish they had done a uh, consequences of what happens when you violate the Prime Directive episode. So it's like it starts off as like a a normal Prime Directive type uh, episode, but then it's like oh this entire we inadvertently got a whole bunch of people killed and now this whole, you know, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's a, it it shows you the, co- the, the, the reason that they end up doing things the way they do is because one of the reasons being is this thing that happened where they're like, yeah, we should probably have a protocol in place for this.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, what's, what's, I guess there's one aspect to it that's kind of funny and it's like the, the TOS version of the prime directive, right, was a, um, it was sort of like the prisoner in a lot of ways because it was it was from the 60s it was like from the height of the cold war and the prime directive in tos was more like it was was almost like an overtly political statement of don't allow communists basically to like interfere in other planets it was it was Mm -hmm. like a it was kind of a protectionist type thing where kirk would go in and sort of like keep the values of that place the way that they were supposed to be without being, like, impeded by the Klingons and stuff like mm. that. Mm-hmm. And TNG took a a different approach to it, which I think is actually worse, where, where TNG was uh, TNG's version of the Prime Directive was uh, basically, like, if life wants to kill you, like, if the universe wants to kill you, that's the right thing to happen, is TNG's mm-hmm. version of the Prime Directive, where if a comet or a, a plague is heading on a planet and it's going to obliterate people... Picard and the crew would never let that planet know that they existed in order to save them because that was apparently worse to let them know that there were spacemen out there than mm-hmm. to let them die. And mm-hmm. there's a little bit of a difference, but this is much more the original series ideology, I think, where um he, you know, Archer is going to go down and and the twist of the episode is that he's basically not the first people to go down there and make sort of first contact with these with these right, there's another right. alien group. And the twist there is that he's like, my version of this is better than your version, which I think it is. But it, that's what Archer's argument is. Um, all the way down to the, the other aliens that get there first are like lizard people. Like they're like the, uh, what's that secret society of like the lizard men or something have shown up first yes, or something. Yeah. yeah, so it's it's strange, but it's, it's that kind of, it's much more of a TOS um, homage and I think a TNG and how this episode feels. It feels very much like Proto Kirk in a lot of ways. And it doesn't feel very TNG to me.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, uh, um, the, 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 the difference between the two, uh, species, I guess, is that one, it's, it's not that they've just made first contact. It's that what they're doing is actively hurting. Uh, it's, it's sort of, I guess it's sort of, I think the angle they're going for is that it's sort of reinforcing why you shouldn't be making this sort of contact because they have, even though they are keeping a low profile, they've introduced a, uh, for an object that is that is actively killing people. Yeah, the other the other aliens have done this. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, which I that's more interesting to me than the than the general rundown of this this plot. Um, I kind of wish there was a little bit more exploration of that, and like because I think what this episode's really missing is what this show has done well up to this point, which is the smaller scenes where they kind of have um, discussions or or point of view clashes. Yeah. And they don't really do that here. Uh, you get that one little bit of uh, the the pawn shop guy kind of being an arch villain, but aside from that, it's it's pretty pretty. Um, it's, yeah, th- there's not a lot of nuance to what's going on.
0: Yeah, it, it's very. Um, it's really just simple, I guess. Is that like it's a I I don't mind the the prime directive thing here being like there's these other aliens that are kind of doing harm to this place and we need to go in and actually uh, protect the, the aliens from this kind of thing it feels um that feels like very early star trek to me i, I think that the, i i just think it's not particularly it, it doesn't really have a sharp edge to any of the angles that it's running along and i think that like you could kind of convince me that maybe archer's development here is a slight twist on things because while he has this sort of pointless romance in my opinion it's still done Mm -hmm. in a way that it's not just like it's not kirk just you know sweeping the maiden off her feet it it, like legitimately falling in love he's kind of um embarrassed by it a little bit and like i like the scene where he kisses her and then he's like oh i had to do it because i i thought someone was coming down the he's trying to fix his translator but he's like oh i thought someone was coming there's a little bit of a um a subversion there in terms of why he's having this plot but the plot itself is still feels very kind of like a um standard star trek thing where he's going to fall in love with this alien for no particular reason uh and <clears throat> go with that i just don't think that the episode really twists that idea enough to be interesting
1: yeah i it almost wouldn't surprise me if this was like a reworked script from the original show or something because it's 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 got a, it's a very 60s feeling show down to the uh gratuitous ass beating they have in the woods yeah (laughs) which is straight out straight out of the prisoner well
0: that was a uh maybe the greatest star trek stunt when that guy gets suplexed off the top of the cliff yeah (laughs) (laughs)
1: that looked like that looked like it from that height height, it's called a superplex superplex sorry yeah uh but yeah no it's um yeah it's it's fine it's a pretty run-of-the-mill down the middle episode that's like <laughs> my favorite part about it is that at the end there's still uh you know he's like give them this thing this will this will cure everybody and she's like okay uh, sh- what what happens when they ask where it came from And he's like well don't tell them about anything that happened they had a laser fight in this town square in the middle of a bunch of people yeah i think there's going to be some questions
0: i think that's a that, that's something I was kind of thinking of. They 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 answered one aspect uh, that I was like, how are they going to fix that? Where they chase off these lizard aliens, right? And they're like, don't come back. And I was like, well, how are they ever going to enforce this? And I guess they they throw in a right. line about the Vulcans are going to play policeman for the time being and sort of make sure mm-hmm. that none of this happens. But they, it for how underpowered they were against this alien race it just surprised me that they thought that they had accomplished something by doing this it just felt like the the alien race was going to come back and immediately take it over but it's as you're saying it's an episode that doesn't seem really interested in believing that there are going to be consequences to that like archer not mind wiping this woman and not even really having a discussion
1: about the fact that you can't tell anybody like you yeah there's no worry on archer's part about this Remember what they did in Discovery? The one person that figured out space travel, they actively abducted off the planet, right. <laughs> <laughs> and then left everybody else to die from the giant pyramid people or whatever yeah. it was. Yeah, it's yeah. You know, I think that's the problem with the, when you get into the Prime Directive stuff. Is it's there's a lot of like shaky ground where it's like, well, if you're going to be true to this, you have to do. It either gets really awkward, or you have to uh, hand wave a lot of a lot of things. Yeah, yeah, and uh, they.
0: I mean, I guess it's interesting. This is an episode where they don't even – they do discuss it because DePaul brings up the idea that you shouldn't interfere with other races. But mm-hmm. um, it's not – I'm kind of surprised that the first episode that they deal with this doesn't overtly bring up the idea of they should have a rule like this. Like they yeah. they, they went into the writing with the idea that like, yeah, just let's just go see what happens. And I think that maybe my favorite part of this episode is still the fact that the – the crew and the cast of this show do seem legitimately excited when they run into something new. Like they're they're, yes, they're, yeah. they're very excited to go down and talk to people and they want to head down and play dress up and stuff like that. But they, they haven't even become aware of the fact that there might be downsides. And I think it is interesting to the show's, um, it's good on the show's part, that they are having at least an episode where they don't even really consider what the consequences of this might be without bringing up the prime directive or whatever they want to call it uh, before it's called the
1: prime directive. Well, what I kind of wish they had done, um, because I think there's an interesting ground if you, if, you know, if you want to take a pretty stock prime directive type story and, 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 spin it a little bit. Um, the, they, uh, when they get to the planet, T'Pol says, ah, eh, you guys should probably leave them alone. You know, don't, don't bother people who are pre warp. But ultimately, they're going down there saves them from another species that is killing them because they, broke, quote unquote, broke the prime directive for lack of a better explanation. And there's no discussion between Archer and T'Pol over which was the, what's the right way to do it? Because if we hadn't gone down there, these people would have been killed by this, this external force. Yes. So, you know, is it, is it worth letting people die? It's not a natural cause that's killing them. They're actively being, actively being uh, uh, murdered for lack of a better term. Yeah. Um, so what's the right decision in that, in that, st- in that sense, do you, do you just assume everything is fine and leave, or do you go down and, and, uh, take stock of things?
0: Do you think Paul's character would have, uh, would have that characterization of not want, if, if Paul because imagine once Paul learns of this, right? Like the truth of the situation is Paul the character that would continue having that point of view that they need to leave them alone.
1: No, no, no. I, but I think, I think it would be an interesting discussion to have after the fact about, about the merits of, of this idea that you shouldn't, um, go down and interfere with these, uh, planets. Yeah. Because of the possibility of something like this. I mean, there's, it's, it's a coin flip, honestly, uh, from their standpoint.
0: Yeah. I, I, cause I, I kind of think you could have to Paul be that character who throughout this episode, even while learning things are going on, is kind of insisting that they don't try to fix things. Like that mm-hmm. it's a, you know, it's sort of outside of their realm to... I guess you could always say that you can always imagine the Vulcans kind of looking down on things, which matches their characterization here, where they think that they're kind of a superior race to everybody else. And if you... If you applied that as like they see their superiority as they don't get involved in things, no matter what, no matter who else is involved in something, the Vulcans are kind of above it. Like they see themselves above the natural order or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. think you could have that argument for T'Pol here, where she insists on leaving them alone, but Archer has the very humanistic thing of sticking up for the underdogs here. And right, I think that works. I, I, if you want it to get really complicated what Archer does would maybe have great short-term consequences, but terrible long-term consequences for them. Or Mm. I don't know if you wanted to make it that dark or if you wanted to make it that complicated or if you just want to have Archer be the hero at the end of it. But I think there are a lot of ways you could go with it.
1: Yeah, I think it's just, I think it just comes down to the fact that they kind of forgot the character motivations that they set up at the beginning of the show, or I guess they didn't care for them. Because to, to Paul... Says, eh, we probably shouldn't do this, and Arch is like, I think we should, and then that clash of of points of view just disappears. Yes, yeah. She just she just turns into another person on the away mission who's just gathering samples and is totally down for whatever.
0: Yeah. Um, looks great with long hair, to Paul. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's another cheesy sixties holdover. It's like they're like, oh, your ears are sticking out, and she can perfectly disguise herself by just covering her ears with her with her hair. But
1: or I, I if. I noticed the way she chooses to cover her hair, cover her ears, is not would not act actually have done anything because she like pulls it from the back and like drapes it yeah. over. <laughs> and as soon as she lets go, that's just gonna that's just gonna go back to the way it was. It's like one of those uh, uh,
0: red carpet dresses where the women have to tape it to their breasts so that it doesn't just slip back off. You know what I mean? It's like the, yeah. the J the J-Lo green dress or whatever.
1: Yeah, she needed some uh, double sided hair tape, I mm-hmm, guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I, I think you I think you would have got more out of the situation if you had maintained her uh, standpoint of not wanting to be a part of going down there. You know what I mean? Like yeah, just yeah. instead of just turning her into another crew member. Because I mean, when she goes down there, if if she had just stayed on the ship in command of the ship, then you could kind of have that uh, 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 separation of the of the way they the they're handling things. Right. Down, so so when you get to the end. Or towards the end when she's like, prepare to leave orbit, and Trip is like, "How dare you, green blood?" blah 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 blah. Like you, you have this. There's, there would have been some precedent for her in this episode for her maybe thinking leaving is the right thing to do, right? Instead of it just being like, "Oh, that's right, Trip doesn't, Trip doesn't trust her." Um, but bringing her down to the planet is really only there to do the ear gag, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And to get the
0: handoff of the stuff to bring it back up to Flocks, who can figure out right. what's anybody, going anybody on. Right, anybody could have done that, though. Yep, yep. Yeah, she's... Yeah, I mean, it's it doesn't really focus on a lot of the other characters outside of Archer, and arguably it doesn't even really focus all that much on Archer uh, for mm-hmm. w- for what's going on. I think that that's probably a big problem with it. It's just so... Um, even, even the... I just found it like a, a, a strange. It, I, maybe just the strangeness of the setting was pulling me out of a little bit too. Like the the fact that they look like Shakespearean theater troupe actors was like a, a very strange choice, I think. And just to have them be it's it's
1: it's in line with Star Trek. I mean, that was like half the people they met in the, the original series. Yeah, <laughs>
0: it, the, maybe it's not much. That it's it just um, I think it's just because after the show had been, had a couple great episodes where we ran into like really alien aliens. Mm. It's strange to just go to, this is basically an earth planet where, uh, they have some like motor oil has leaked into the water or whatever. Um, I just didn't think it just didn't, it didn't throw enough at me to really pull me out of that ideology. And, if you are going to not have to Paul put up a fight or anything, and just have this sort of generic standoff towards the end, it, it didn't really didn't really amount to anything. Although, at the same time, I, I don't think it's a bad episode. Like, right? It's it's, it's yeah.
1: in line with the other. It's it's a very workmanlike episode. It's a standard Star Trek plot done fa- fine. It's fairly well. It's not. There is nothing uh, groundbreaking about it, and it's not actively bad.
0: Yeah. Yeah. This is my least favorite of the episodes so far though.
1: Yeah. I think I would probably agree. Um Yeah, it's it's weird because yeah, like I don't I don't hate it. It's fine. Yeah. But I am I ever would I ever recommend it to someone that say you gotta watch this? No. no. I mean if you've watched half a half of any season of Star Trek, you're gonna get this at least twice. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I guess. I guess maybe I'll just bring it back to to, to the start of it. Like my my. I, I guess there's a difference between just thinking about like how they're going to do this strange new world show, which is the Pike show that they want to come out with. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're going to do episodic, I, I I guess I I found myself. This episode really just made me think about the fact that I'm not one of these. Uh, star trek fans who kind of wants the lack of a word, like the same thing again like mm-hmm. i really mm-hmm. think that they're done with this kind of a story like if you even if you had anson mountain as pike and you had a spock thing and you're supposed to be telling it from some sort of new prequely-esque perspective although it happens post enterprise so everything is a sequel to this um i don't know what else you can say About these kinds of interactions you know like i i'm all for the episodic approach but i don't know how much you can really learn through this kind of like generic star trek episode like if, if strange new worlds puts out stuff like this i think that's going to be a bad show really it'll be kind of interesting that they're uh doing an episodic new take on it but i think within the realm of episodic that show has to do something kind of different with the material mm-hmm. in a way that's not this this kind of um, tropey Star Trek stuff, which is just really what this felt like. I just I felt worn down by this kind of storytelling in this episode.
1: Yeah, I I bet though if 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 the Pike show did an episode exactly like this, top to bottom, people would praise it as being like an amazing return to Star Trek. Right, it, and just that, that's what I'm scared of though. Yeah, that, yeah. it's a it's a down the middle you know no chances taken uh star trek story yeah retread and it's like wow that didn't fall apart at all it it was a cohesive story that made sense it didn't blow my hair back but yeah hooray star trek is back and it started it started
0: and ended in 45 minutes yeah
1: yeah yeah i yeah i don't don't really know what you're what you're going to get out of that um uh, to be to be fair, though, it's like once in a while, sure, why not? Yes, but when it, you if, have twenty six episodes uh, in a season, I'll, I'll allow yeah. you four of these episodes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, what's interesting to me about about the that idea, um, with the with the Pike show, is that uh, it it kind of feels like the right move, only because if you if you begin to serialize it, you I guarantee you. They're not going to be able to resist driving towards Pike's of inevitable fate. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they they he was in the show for five episodes in season two and already they're like, eventually you're gonna be crippled and weird. <laughs> it's like, yeah, okay, sure. <laughs> so like as soon as you give him his own show, if it becomes serialized, that becomes a thing. It's like, ooh, it's a ticking clock, countdown to before when Pike gets blown up or whatever. Yeah. Yep. And that's that's not interesting to me. Um, cause, and it also locks you into a time frame, but an episodic thing, you could argue, frees you from that because there's, there's not a, it, it feels less like a sequential progressive time, uh, period is happening. So you can kind of just do whatever you want and not worry about, oh, well, technically, technically he needs to be in a, in a wheelchair by this point. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. That's going to be interesting to see how, how they handle it because, uh, yeah, I, I would be down for it. I think again, I think it's all in the presentation and all in what you what you end up doing with these stories. Because it is, I would it, be it's down a subtle difference. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If if they can continue to take, I think that there is plenty of room to take established Star Trek type stories and put a twist on them in some in some way that is that is new. Yes, um, that, that's that's
0: really that's really that's that's basically my driving point like i'm i'm fine with this kind of model of storytelling and stuff like that but if you if you do what this episode did which is to not twist that at all it's it's pointless to do that at that point like the if pike were to do this story you have to do some kind of update or something to change the general beats of what's going on or at least change the sort of um perspective that you take away from it because mm-hmm. I'd argue the the problem with civilization is it's totally functional, but I don't really learn anything about anyone or anything about the universe here. Like It's it's just a very down-the-middle, seen-this-before, not showing me a new side of anything here, and that's not very exciting. And Pike needs to avoid that. You can do stuff like this, but you have to have some kind of new version of it, which I think is possible, but that's the hard work of a new series like this and that this Enterprise episode did not do that. It didn't respect that amount of work, I don't think.
1: Yeah, I I feel like the best episodic-type shows like this are the ones that have a high concept and they just go, okay, what if this inside that world? Like, uh, they started doing it um, a couple seasons in on Highlander. You know, you've got the the concept of uh, immortals, they sword fight and, you know, cut their heads off and that you get their power. And it's it's like at a certain the first season or so was just terrible because they're trying to tell these standalone stories that aren't really that interesting and and whatnot. But then at a certain point, I feel like they all just got together and were like, "All right, just pick a bunch of stuff that would be interesting for the, to do with this concept." So it would be like, "All right, this week, uh, what if McLeod knew Napoleon or something yep. like that?" You know what I mean? Or, yeah, right. or <laughs> what if what if uh, what if this week the immortal is uh, a Viking? Okay, that's cool. Uh, what happens, what happens if they get blown up? I don't know. We can explore that for 50 minutes. Sure. Why not? You know, like that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I think that, that sort of like thinking through of, of the possibilities of your concept lend itself to, to good episodic single storytelling. So, and it would be nice to see them do something like that where you've got, okay, we've got this, this show takes place right in the pocket of the original series like there's no getting around it this is it takes place during the original series for the for the from the most part Yep. how do we take that setting and that concept and put a new spin on it that people aren't going to expect
0: yeah yeah no 100 percent. and i i would argue that enterprise up until this episode had been doing that fairly mm-hmm. well like it felt like it was a new series and this is just kind of a this is a placeholder episode um mm-hmm. i mean I'm, I'm honestly even kind of struggling for anything to say about it because there's nothing really there to dig into it's another right. like it's it's weirdly similar to the vulcans in the Endorian incident where they're in an underground secret chamber that they find it's you know it's 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 repeating sort of this general idea of these guys are just miners who are taking advantage of this this planet or whatever but even the even the the, the aliens themselves are generic star trek aliens which is just they're humans with something on their face but they don't even have a very different outlook on life really like it's it's right it's all right. just you know it's well, ran into a
1: village she's uh the the apothecary there is is like totally down with everything yes so he, after that uh fight in the woods she's like so what's going on here and then they cut to them coming back and she's like i see so you're from a you're from a starship yeah, I totally get it, man. I'm right. I'm right there with you. It's you
0: just, like, oh, okay. At least TNG had the decency to have those those when those aliens were revealed that way to that knowledge. They at least had a little bit of like a uh, wow. Who to Who to thunk that? Like uh, out of this yeah. world.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Or like the, the the revelation of that knowledge is somehow impactful on on the people, right? Instead of it just being like, eh, just tell everybody not to not to talk about the laser fight we had.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, it's 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 strange. Do you have anything else you want to say about this one? I feel like I'm kind of done with it. I just I think it's a pretty boring
1: episode. It's it's going to test my rating system, but uh, that's about the extent of it. The only other thing that I had that I thought was funny was at the beginning when they're talking about um, you know, uh, Hoshi is going through the language and everything and she's like, "Well, there's one word you're going to want to know and it's kali." Is it kali?
0: It was I just looked it up. It, uh, what is it? It is am I not going to be able to find it? Well, whatever. It
1: doesn't matter. Whatever the word is, she's like, cause that's the word for a speci- a Akali. Akali. Yeah. Uh, cause Akali is what their species is called. And I'm like, did you, first of all, how did she figure that out? Did she, are, are people just walking around saying hello, Akali? <laughs> and it's like, it, cause why would you need to know that? A lot of Akalis that? in this bar. A whole lot of Akalis. Yeah. <laughs> Why would you need to know that unless you were like actively using it in conversation? Yep. You know, like we do when we go, "Hello, fellow human. Yeah. It's nice <laughs> to see you." <laughs> it is. I mean, I guess there's, that's the only way through cheesy exposition you could get in the name of the the name of the species. I, I guess
0: I know they have to do it for like TV production purposes, but the the universal translator existing is really devastating to Hoshi as a character. I think, <laughs> like, there's no there's no reason. Her job has been crippled by the fact that this technology already exists, and
1: and she's she can't even like fix it when it breaks. Like don't right. they make a don't they make a point in the first episode or so that like she doesn't know how the technology actually works? Yeah, d- the other episode she's like it's
0: a coin flip, 50-50, whether or not I'm gonna throw it with the word right. But I mean, and I'm doing pretty good. There's, there's only there's only so many episodes you can have where she. They meet a new plant, a new species, and her only scene is to go. I'll work on updating the translator, and then they all go down there. And at that point, her role is meaningless because her right. her job function is completely nerfed by this technology. It's just a. It was a strange decision to. Um, it, it, it would almost be like, like a transporter chief in this series wouldn't make much sense because they don't use the transporter, really. So it's like, why would you mm-hmm. have this role of this guy who does it? But it's a little, a little bit of a variant of that. I just... Um, the, yeah, the show I, is not... The show, at this point, I feel has really underserved almost all the other characters. And I'm surprised mm-hmm. that they haven't really had a focus on any of the underlying characters to this point, except for Trip, uh, Trip and Tapal.
1: Yeah, I, I feel like Hoshi actually has a lot could have a lot of usefulness on this crew but yeah she's kind of relegated to uh making sure the software is updated yeah um because i they have they, they have yet to do a a episode that ends up like inglorious bastards or something where the, the thing the thing breaks and arch is just down there like uh akali yeah <laughs> what is what is uh I'm trying to think of what how Brad
0: Pitt pronounces his uh, name. He's yeah. like oh. Bon Gerno. <laughs> <Bongiorno. laughs> he pronounces someone's he pronounces his name or something very, very funny. But yeah, it's yeah. Yeah, they don't have Hoshi down there. Um I don't know if she needs to be like a cultural expert or something, but it's it's just a strange
1: combination of she, things. that character actually would be an interesting if you were going to do a discovery type thing where your lead character is not your captain, having her her, her character would be an interesting one to focus on because she's one, the one who has to do the theoretically would be doing the legwork uh species to species and and interacting and talking to people. She would probably be the most um she would probably have the the, the most thoughts about uh, new new cultures and and uh and people and stuff. Isn't that Burnham's role?
0: Isn't Burnham? A cult? Is that what she does? I think she's a cultural expert on Discovery. I c- the show I the, have the show doesn't you that, let no. you know that, but I think that's what yeah. her job title is. Yeah. I couldn't have told you that in a, for a million dollars. I'm going <laughs> to have to double check that, Michael Burnham, just so I don't. Uh, she originally appears as first officer, commits uh, as, as science specialist. Uh, the character is introduced as an anthropologist. Yeah, helping engage oh. with new cultures in outer space. Wow. Yeah. Um. So,
1: if, <laughs> so, does that so a so a I was right, and b uh, they kind of buried the lead on that one. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's discovery in a nutshell. I think right there. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, I mean
0: there, there is there is potential. You you, you just repitched me discovery.
1: <laughs> what if we have a prequel? with a communications anthropologist as the lead character. That's amazing. I couldn't have told you that. I don't need, there's I it's not even one of those things that I like actually knew but didn't realize I knew it. I had no idea that was the case. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's that's it. Everyone's going to yell at us. You like couldn't you, I guess I should have been able to tell what her job on the ship was from the way that she time travels in robot suits all the time that's yep. something an anthropologist would do fixes, right?
0: the, fixes the ship and does like the scientific examination of the orb and stuff like that which is exactly it um yeah I'm, i've i apologize to uh i can't even i can't even come up with like a funny joke about this civilization episode quite frankly like <laughs> this there's, there's just nothing there's nothing <laughs> well, there's really another- here.
1: There's another episode where there's a secret brewery in the basement, so maybe that's a yeah. It's just maybe that, that's a running theme.
0: That guy, that uh, the main villain guy was a terrible actor. I thought that's like the other takeaway. He's got
1: a he's got a great voice. I bet he does a lot of voice acting. He had a good bad guy voice.
0: Outside of that, nothing really. All right, let's take a break. We'll play a quote from the episode. We'll come back, read some patron thoughts, and give our final thoughts about civilization. Tell them to take the entire dose. Just one. That's all they'll need. What if Garros comes back? I've notified DePaul's people they're going to look in on you from time to time. They could stop by for tea. You bet. Yeah, I feel I did a a thematically appropriate job there. I I came in with a cup of coffee. I feel awake, alert. I had notes about this episode. (laughs) I still Mm. have, like, I just have literally nothing to say about it. Like, We'll see with the ratings when we give our final thoughts. But if you guys enjoyed the content today, you can go to patreon.com slash file, and you can support the show there. A couple dollars a month gets your extra stuff. Patreon.com slash file, excuse me. And as always, our Captain tier supporters get a shout out. Special thank you goes to Alec DeWolf, Andrew Churlog, Ben Douglas, Captain Brazen, Cardinal Doomsday, Chris Tinsley, Christian Michaels, Christian Powell, Darth Mosk, David Beermore, David Kaye, Dwayne Hackett, Eric Johnson, HH28, Jacob123, Jakey's Gamer, Joint Mango, Jordan Cooper, Kevin Reyes, Calbert, Barrett, Matt, Courier6, Matt Cutler, Matt, Houston Matt Ross Mike Burnett Nate, Mike Harris Nathan Elliott Neil Brennan Nick Sergi Robert Cummins Russell O Sammy Custer Grim San Sean Stephen Vincent Tark Latif Tom Howes and Vault 13 Hero Thank you very much for supporting the show Now we're done with civilization So we we'll go to patron thoughts Patrons get to leave their thoughts about upcoming episodes and we read them react Where is control F There it is Matt Ross says, Civilization, a TNG episode stuck in Enterprise from the sets to the plot. This is more akin with the almost similar story in the next gen episode, Thine Own Self, where data causes poisoning to a pre warp society. To Paul, stating what will one day be a staple of Star Trek, The Prime Directive, lets it be damned in the face of Archer's argument of, Come on! For all of Paul's concern, she has the pointy ears and does not wear a hood. The story of the lizard like aliens and poisoning is pretty generic, as is the smart local playing kissy face with Archer. I question how Enterprise can target an unknown alien's weapons array. Otherwise, this episode is forgettable
1: that's a good point
0: <laughs> the, the weapons array thing yeah hey they haven't upgraded their torpedoes yet they're still just shooting old torpedoes at things jakey's gamer says a fantastic game franchise oh I mean, a somewhat stock episode of Star Trek that for some reason I still quite enjoy. There isn't much new here as far as plot, but it gives us a TOS, TNG-style story with a few fun moments that only work because of its place in the timeline. I like the overall excitement the crew has about exploring a new planet with actual people on it, the unreliability of the Universal Translator, and the subtle mention of the Federation simply adapting a previous Vulcan protocol as the prime directive. It's not without its problems. I wish they had time to go down and explore a bit before detecting the nefarious neutrino emissions. And were they originally just going to send Hoshi down there all by herself? Who thought that was a good idea? All the same, this one – Me. me I the, did. <laughs> this one to me is a slightly more than the sum of its parts. It's a three out of five.
1: You know, what's what's interesting to me is these these episodes that have these sort of stock things, I keep in my head wishing they would go the Rick and Morty route with it where they take the stock sci-fi thing and just really just put a put a curveball spin on it. Yeah. Um obviously not to the extent that they do on that show, but it's just, it seems like it's sitting right there to be able to do something out of the ordinary with it, but then that's just,
0: meh. Yeah, I I mean, do you think that, obviously perspective is true and different across uh, sort of time and stuff like Mm -hmm. that, but I mean, this is is not that far removed from TNG DS9 Voyager in terms of when it was being written, right? Like this is 2001 and Voyager had pretty much, Voyager might still be on or Voyager just ended at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, you would think that the sort of sense of we've done this before would be even more on the present to people writing it in the moment, but maybe it's a, just a matter of fact of like because they're so in it and it's just of the moment that they they don't have the perspective of the really like 30 years that we have where we've seen the things sure. change at a time to think about it. I, I don't really know. I'm just – there's just, there's so many episodes of Star Trek and I guess you're going to start repeating them, especially when the storytelling method is the same like that. But it's, um, I'm just surprised. Like I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm surprised that you, if you were hired to write a Star Trek episode, maybe I'm not surprised, but like, you know, with with a deadline being a deadline, this is the best that you can come up with or something. It's just a little bit strange to me. Maybe the... The, the perspective thing changes with time and you have more time to sort of sit there and look at it and go, like,
1: let's come up with something new on this. And maybe they don't have the time to do that, really. Well, it's strange to me because at this point you've got – at this point in the in history, Star Trek history, you've got uh, – like you said, Voyager might still be on. You're still doing TNG movies at this point, I yeah, think, Nemesis, right?
0: Yeah, would have been out around now, yeah.
1: Yeah, Deep Space Nine is – Over. Over. Yep. but like just recently over so there's like there is there is star trek out there um and this i feel like at this point you need to do something that's gonna m- separate you from the from the rest of them and make it make it a uh exciting again yeah you know something like take star trek off the name of the show for some reason <laughs> um, give it a different theme song yeah but you know what i mean like you've got to. I feel like you have to do something to stand out and the the concept the 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 overall concept of like oh it's uh, the first enterprise okay that's kind of fun but it, if you're tuning if you're someone who's looking for a show to watch a star trek show to watch and you turn tune into this new star trek show just to see this right like what well, why would you come back it's like at that at that point it feels more like they did this show because they needed to like keep the the trademark rights or something you know it right. feels like yeah. one of those things yeah i mean i i
0: think that just comes back to what the fandom would expect out of a new series that does this as well. You know, like I, mm-hmm. I wonder how much you can actually change it. We've talked about that, about that before, but I think that episodes like this just kind of hammered home a little bit more. Um, Thomas Darnell says, Civilization, this one really grabbed me for the first time I saw it. I think I really love seeing a pre-industrial society per- portrayed in a believable way, not Trek's best side as a franchise. But also that Archer didn't seem to see himself as a more advanced than those people, pre-Prime Directive and all that. And that sentiment is also kind of on Trek-like. Enterprise for me is often the successful deconstruction of Trek that you see DS9 as. Do-do. Point Extra G says, I like the setup for this one. It's all executed well. Bakula has good chemistry with a guest actress. I feel bad for her character at the end. She knows what's out there and will never get to see any of it. While her city and whole planet are better off now, I fear that she will go crazy from all of this. She was intelligent enough to really grasp at what she was seeing and not just some ignorant villager. <laughs> it's true. They, they, I guess for plot necessity, they found the most advanced one, but at this point, is she going to be happy tinkering with her Bunsen burner anymore going forward? Right,
1: yeah. right. Let's see here. She she rebuilt that alien radio from scratch, and now she's just going to stay on her planet and die with her other squid people.
0: (laughs) That sounds like a good short track idea. You should pitch that one. (laughs) Um, Captain Brazen says... Now, here's an average Trek episode with the essence of TOS and TNG, but with the Enterprise crew. The plot is nothing new or fancy. The setup of a mysterious presence, or in this case, an energy signature on an alien planet, is kind of old hat at this point. But if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Trip using the transporter is more appropriate for a Starfleet engineer than lockpicking. Although, how many times characters have Trek characters committed breaking and entering within the franchise up to this point? T'Pol continues to be my favorite cold-hearted, sassy badass. She stuns the alien woman, uh, Rianne, out of nowhere, which caught me off guard. Archer asks her not to shoot anyone else, and she simply responds with, I'll try. Cold-hearted indeed. Later, when the ship is in battle, she cries, if they want it so badly, then perhaps we should give it to them. A cliched and cringy line, but Julian Blaylock's performance in The Few Torpedoes make the scene work. Badass indeed. I have, um, this is an episode that I strongly noticed the way that uh, Julian Blaylock stands as to Paul is kind of iconic. (laughs) It's one of those, like, stances I think you can make a silhouette out of, and I would recognize who it was. Um... It's an interesting choice. I don't even know why, but she, she, she stands sort of, I don't know, like upright or something, like very sort of pronounced. Finally, Archer distracting Ryan with a kiss while repairing his translator with something akin to a master spy maneuver, but then he regresses to an awkward high school kid who's never talked to a woman before. It's okay, man. We've all been there with our translators in our hands, not working, with a beautiful lady in an alleyway saying, I understand. I guess this awkwardness pays, I guess this awkwardness pays off at the end. With them flirting and Ryan asking, is your translator broken again? And Archer playing along, I don't understand you, so just let me kiss your face instead. Boldly exploring new worlds and civilizations indeed. Kirk would be proud. Three neutrino emissions out of five. And then that's that one. Kyle Barrett says Civilization. Eh. The <laughs> Gouillet <laughs> civilization. During this whole episode, all I could think of was the Fermi paradox. I can see where Kirk got a lot of his tech that the Fermi paradox is the... Uh, what is that? That's the idea that you would have run into species, right? If there are... Let me Google that. If there are aliens, we should have run into them by now. Is that the Fermi paradox? Mm. Well,
1: spaces are real big.
0: Named for Italian-American physicist... Fermi, it's the contradiction between the lack of evidence for extraterrestrial civilizations and previous high high estimates for their probability. Yeah, so that's what it is.
1: Yeah, you know, one of the things that I came across, I think I may have brought this up at some point in the past, but I I saw this video about the possibilities of space space travel and what it actually means and what the limitations of it are. Mm -hmm. And uh, the thing that I found really interesting was uh, intergalactic travel – is actually impossible because the space between galaxies is so big that the universe actually expands faster than you could possibly cross the gap. Mm-hmm. Right. So, which is, that's just, I mean, you get it. That's like, th- those are numbers and, and, and sizes and of Time and space that are just I impossible to comprehend.
0: Yeah, I assume that's using speed of light or something. Maybe I think so. I forget. We just exactly got to go faster. Where. We should pitch a show where people go faster than the speed of light.
1: Like <laughs> once, <laughs> one time faster, or between like six to ten, depending on what year it takes place in.
0: Uh, six to ten, I think. Depending, yeah, yeah depending on whose show running or something, we can have that argument. So we could, we could say that it warps space time or something like that to get there so fast. Um.
1: We could call it travel log. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I can see where Kirk got a lot of his tactics since Archer seems to always make impulsive, headstrong decisions, and when that fails, he just kisses the girl. It does help explain why first contact and cultural contamination are so important in TNG. I did like the villain's calm and cold portrayal, but I thought the female alien this uh, was way, way too accepting of all this in a pre-industrial culture, even as a scientist. The Vulcans may check, but those aliens really could come back any time. In the end, a lot happened, but it felt like a long episode to me. Not bad, not great. Thank you, patrons, for your thoughts about the episode. Um I don't think I have anything anything else really to say about this. We can just go to ratings. Clay, what are you gonna give this one? Our scale of one to
1: five. Hmm. I guess a th- low three.
0: Yeah. I'll give that I'll give it a high two, I guess. Like yeah. I I gave um I gave breaking the ice a three. So I can't really give that a give give yeah. this a three because yeah, that's the same that's thing. Point.
1: I'll give it a two. We're, yeah. I, did I also give Breaking the Ice a three? No, you gave that a four. Ah, so you're okay. Safe.
0: Yeah, you're, <laughs> you're you're a little bit more uh, better calibrated for this one than me. Um, yeah, just kind of a, a dull one, really. Uh, it's unfortunate, but it, it is what it is, I suppose, at this point. Um, nothing else to say about this one. You can check out social media. I feel I feel like depressed or something. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't know why. This like I um, it was ironic too. I usually watch these late at night and I have like trouble staying awake or whatever. This one didn't have I didn't have any trouble staying awake, but I was still like un, unmoved by it. It was a strange contradiction of things. Um social media is all down below. The links are all down below. Thank you for supporting the podcast. Thank you for listening, guys. Patreon.com slash the Penske file if you're so interested in supporting I think that's pretty much it, Clay. Do you have anything you want to pitch uh, before we move on to the final thing here?
1: Um, no. You don't have a rotten th- horror this week. No. Next, the uh, following week, we'll be doing our second uh, wild card. We'll be doing the Innkeepers, which is uh, which is a fun movie. Mm. The, yeah. The, Slow burn.
0: The um the rotten horror has always surprised me that it, that the two weeks feels uh like a longer time than i expected for something but the other one just Mm. came out this week i don't know why that is it's this timeline we're living in uh that's it social media patreon.com slash the penske file i think that's it i'm going to give it a two clay gives it a three it's civilization the next episode is fortunate son which is a uh a good song it's got nausikins in this one too so another tng tie-in right there guys thank you very much for listening